have you ever heard of something called the lipstick index? This was a term that became popular by a former Estee Lauder CEO, a big name in the cosmetics industry, suggesting that sales of cosmetics stay strong even when there are tough economic times, that people will still purchase lipstick, lipsticks and other indulgences, other things that make them feel good, even though the cost of living in some cases is out of control. Well, joining me to talk a little bit more about this is Alexandra Hankas, Canadian beauty ex uh, industry analyst at Circana. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Oh, my pleasure. It's wonderful to speak with you today. It's such a hot topic these days. It really is, because we've certainly talked about the cost of just about everything going up. So are we seeing the lipstick index, or or how do we kind of look at what's happening with that to get a better idea on where people are spending and where people are cutting back? That's a great question. So at Circana, we actually track beauty, but also other industries across Canada. And what we're seeing is that beauty is really the outlier. So beauty sales have done tremendously well. It does mirror the lipstick index, but here's the interesting part. It has evolved. So we are seeing a huge wellness story and consumers investing in themselves. They're paying, yes, more on average as rising costs of many commodities have gone up, but they're also making a bigger investment in beauty. They're choosing products that are higher priced, Um, more tailored to their beauty needs. And there's a lot of excitement happening across all the categories, including makeup, skincare, fragrance, and hair. So we're seeing a lift across the board. So is it a different approach to it, though, or is it different that in the past when there was, say, a recession or things, uh, people didn't have as much disposable income, still having that indulgence? You might buy a $5 or a $10 lipstick and it was still a treat, but it wouldn't break the bank. Whereas the things that you just described, depending on where you're going and where you're purchasing them, they can still be very expensive. They can, they can. But if you're comparing it to luxury and premium, that's where the treat mentality is still, you know, alive and well with consumers. So instead of buying, you know, or splurging on a designer pair of shoes or a handbag, what we're seeing is they would most, you know, likely pick up a designer lipstick or a fragrance that now is very noticeable. So what we've seen in the last couple of years, especially through the pandemic, is consumers really invested in those iconic fragrances to treat themselves and also, you know, to to treat themselves whether they were going out or not, actually, because fragrance sales fared very well, even when consumers were staying home. So, yes, rising costs across the board, and there is more of an investment. And I wouldn't say it's um, consumer beauty, so like accessible beauty. It is very much a premium and luxury beauty story as well. We're seeing the growth across all price points. Interesting. I understand too, uh, like you said, it's fragrances, it's lipstick, but also hair and that hair products mm-hmm. and hair care is, is a very fast growing category. Yes. Hair care has been one of those um, smaller categories in Canada. So compared to our U.S. counterparts, um, you know, Circana data shows that we're about half in terms of the penetration of hair sales. So we're sitting around 6 or 7% in Canada. The U.S. is around 14%. Bigger market, many more brands, as you can appreciate. But in Canada, hair has grown 
like, I would say four times um, its size as a category in the last couple years. And we're seeing it show up at retail. We're seeing it online. There's a lot of, you know, Instagram and TikTok, hair tutorials, new product innovation. So consumers are more likely to now purchase a customized hair routine or specific products to get that salon look at home. And they're willing to do that more online than in store. So we are seeing kind of this this huge growth in both online shopping and in-store shopping, which is interesting. And how do you think social media is playing a role in this or has changed this in that I must have done something at some point. I must have searched for a hair product because now all of my feeds are loaded with this new innovative hair clip on how to pull your hair back or or tutorials on yeah. the, the new ponytail or the new braid. And it's not yeah. like I've been searching out those things, but they're everywhere. Yeah, they've, they've certainly grown um, in interest. They've created a lot of excitement. So I absolutely, I would agree that social media is helping boost sales, um, especially when you're seeing those tutorials. I, I, you can imagine my Instagram feed. <laughs> it's full of, you know, beauty apparel and footwear. Um, but more, we're seeing more of the activation and then the translation to sales happen in the beauty space. It's an easy commodity to click through if your interest is peaked and go ahead and purchase. So retailers, influencers, they're making it really easy for consumers to be drawn in and then encouraging them to try the product. And when we look at the the prices then, and the the industry, I'm assuming, is responding to this. And I know even when we were watching as grocers were were testifying as to their profits and if they were price gouging with food, one of the reasons given that grocers were doing so well was they said because of sales growth in areas like cosmetics and at the cosmetics counter, uh, are are the companies responding to this and realizing this is is a really fast growth? growing market and they better make sure they have those products. But are we also seeing the prices go up? I think it's a little bit of both. So we are seeing prices go up, but overall, you know, in, in speaking to, you know, our retail partners and our brand partners, there was a lot of disruption. So you'll, you'll remember as soon as COVID and the pandemic hit, beauty was one of the hardest hit categories as was apparel, as was footwear, but beauty in particular. And it took us a while to recover from that. So, yes, we're now, you know, and seeing this double-digit growth in healthy leading into the holidays, I think we were at 18% growth year-to-date October, which is fantastic. Um, you know, but it, it took a lot of effort from all the brands, all the retail partners, and, you know, it. I would say overall, um, you know, the holidays is a wonderful time for the beauty category, but most categories are shopped um, throughout the year, right? Mm-hmm. As consumers replenish. So there's been a lot of innovation in the, in the space um, that has helped drive sales. Also the in-store experiences, right? So having, you know, the expertise at the counter absolutely does help. So, you know, I think it, we are seeing, you know, the tremendous growth, but it hasn't been without effort. 
Right. And, and you mentioned the holiday season and going into the holiday season. Is it something, is it something that people are more to shop for, for themselves and those, those indulgences for themselves? Or do you also see a bump in that? Is it something as well that people will purchase as gifts? Again, I think it's both when we're shopping for our friends and family, we are bound to pick up something for ourselves and beauty fits very nicely within that. Um, fragrance specifically peaks within the last quarter of the year. So we know the holidays is a big time for categories such as fragrance. But, you know, there's wonderful hybrid skincare sets, um, makeup sets um, that make great gifting categories. I was speaking to one of the teachers at my daughter's school and she was so happy to put together a beauty basket, um, you know, for, for, um, friends and family. So it, it's a very easy gifting commodity. Um, and I think it's a little bit of both. I, I would say, you know, even from my perspective, I'd love to pick up something for myself when I'm shopping for others. Right. And uh, and uh, when we're talking fragrance or things like that, you can also, it's easier. You don't have to really know the size, although I guess a fragrance is pretty personal. But other things, you don't need to know if it's going to fit somebody or, or that kind of thing a, a bit easier that way. That's right. And one of the interesting things we're seeing with fragrance is um, there's a lot of discovery sets out there, right? So it gives, um, you know, if you are gifting, you're able to kind of give them a palette of different fragrances and then they can always go back and, and invest in that one fragrance or a couple fragrances to fill their cabinet. But there are some, you know, introductory gifting kits that have done really well. One of the areas of the market that I found, um, and we, we've looked at data looking back a couple of years and we're seeing a shift towards uh, fragrance gift sets that have uh, a mini as well as a larger size bottle. So not necessarily your bath and body complement to the fragrance, but the ones that consumers can travel with. And that's a great story because we know that this year, you know, Canadian consumers travel was up, um, right? So we did return to social, return to travel, return to other social activities. Um, and the fragrance uh, went right with that, which was a wonderful trend to identify. All right. Alexandra, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure.